This is Queen speaking. What's the difference between a boss and a queen? When you're a queen, you're owning every aspect of your life. From work, to money, to relationships, there are no boundaries. You can't pause who you are. The challenge is how to own it. What makes you, you? We're in this together. Let's break out of our comfort zone and learn the tools to rise to our own potential. Hit your goals, then set the bar higher. Ready to join us? Hey, Sid. Hey, Brown. What is the haps? So um, I'm going to dive right in. Lately, I've been really enjoying cooking. I know that for a while, I know. Raise the roof, guys. <laughs> We're excited. We're really excited. <laughs> I know for a while, I talked about Sunbasket. I'm still like fully using Sunbasket. But what Sunbasket did was open up the secret doorway to a life I never knew existed that enjoys cooking. And so uh, I made chicken for the first time the other day. What? I know. <laughs> I hope that everybody listening is either like clapping for me, <laughs> holding their laughter, applauding my efforts. So I was always really afraid to do to cook meat because, you know, if it goes sideways, like you're literally sideways and not doing so hot. So I didn't want to try and fail. And that like kind of boils down to the moral of my story here. So I had... Um, Doug was helping me from from the far. So he was telling me, like, okay, now do this and then do this and then do this. And when he came over to try out, I was like, no, <laughs> talk me through it. Talk me through it. So Classic Sid. Yeah. So I was like, I need you to step back, give me five feet, and talk to me. She's done it to me, too, guys. <laughs> That's how I learned, by doing. So I think because of Sunbasket, I feel much more confident in the kitchen. And so that's what made me feel like I could take the step that I've literally, like, never... And I've lived, I lived alone for a long time. I, I you know, I... I've lived in a situation where I should have been cooking chicken or some kind of meat product. I do eat meat, so for myself for a long time now, and I just have never felt confident or excited about it. And so I'm just feeling like much better and much more in control of my cooking ability, even though it's still like novice level. It feels like I've finally gotten to the point where I'm confidently at a novice level and not like reaching for the stars at the novice level. So that feels really good. And I've then become like much more interested in learning more about cooking. And so I'm watching a lot of Bon Appetit YouTube videos, which I'm now obsessed with. And one that I just watched was she made gourmet Lucky Charms. And I was like, what? And surprisingly, (laughs) the cereal was a lot harder to make than the marshmallow. But, like, the point was it took her days to, like, try and retry and figure it out and all these things. And she's a professional. But I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is a thing that is going to take more work. And as we know, I don't love when things take a lot of time to learn. (laughs) But I now feel much more comfortable, like, taking my time, learning the steps, doing recipes, and all of that stuff. So... With all of that going on, I've got a family vacation coming up in a couple weeks. And what I'm really excited about is my friend Kelly, who I've talked about on here before, shout out to Kel, her family does this like epic happy hour. And we did it for her bachelorette party. I've like shared the happy hours with her family and they're like some of my favorite things because there's a ton of great food, drinks, all of it. And so what I want to do is adopt her happy hour and put it 
on my family vacation. Ooh. And so, yeah, so it's like apps and all of these like yummy little bites and things like that. So my challenge to myself is to, I'm meeting with my mom and we're going to put together like a little happy hour menu and we're going to try and do like somewhat of what uh, Kelly's happy hour is and we're going to make all the food. So I'm really excited because I feel like I've taken like good necessary solid steps to get to this point where I'm not dreading this but I am like just genuinely excited about it I love this so much because after you implement this happy hour I would like you to on vacation I want you to bring it back here yes. at home yes and host it for us I can do that and I think like we've obviously been doing this for what we've been doing this whole thing for five years or something like that mm-hmm. four or five years with our friends that once a month like make yep. and bring situation but that was once a month and like it used to like bring me to the brink of stress for myself like I would always rather bring a cheese plate and I've gotten much more comfortable with like even finding easier stuff like easier even for me, but still doing it, like still actively making an effort to make something and yeah. have to follow a recipe. So I think all of these things together and then with the addition of Sun Basket, like I'm feeling at 28 <laughs> really good and excited about the kitchen when I used to like with, I, I can remember when I th- started dating Doug, I'm like, I would avoid it at all costs. I was eating like a pound of pasta a day. I'm like feeling really good about myself. (laughs) So good times. And that was good. And that worked for me. But now I'm just I feel like I'm taking my first big step in like taking back control of this. And it feels really, really good. And that's a nice thing about like the act. I think this is like no secret, but you're experiencing it yourself. Yes. Is that in order to actually get out there in the world and learn something, you have to do it like the only reason I'm good at cooking is because I was really interested and watched my dad do it. And Mm -hmm. then like he helped us cook things together as a family. And then when I was in college, I was like, I'm really curious about this. And then I got a job in a snack shop at 19 and had to learn how to chop, chop and cook burgers and make Caesar salads (laughs) and tuna salad. And all my favorite things. (laughs) Understand what an onion was. Yeah. Um, And so I have 10 years on you. Yeah. So that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Where I was just very content with like my Rice Krispie treat snacks and going out and eating those things that someone else prepared for me. So yeah, yeah. So I appreciate that. It takes time. (laughs) It does. But it's been like a really fun thing. And like for all the patients that everybody has had to deal with me through this process has had, it's really really nice. (laughs) And for everyone out there who is on Sid's side and is like, I've never cooked chicken either. If there's one, (laughs) if there's one thing I recommend you buy, it's a meat thermometer because that's how you'll learn how long it takes to make things. And even I still will Google search stuff and be like, how long should I cook a flank steak? Yeah. Just to like be safe on like minute on each side kind of thing, like timing for that. For chicken, it's usually like six to seven minutes. Okay, on each side. That's what it, that's what I did. Yeah, <laughs> and it worked. Boom! Real life high five. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Rayon? What's going on? So, um, mine is a nice update on the fact that I'm still really bad at doing nothing. We got to work on those. I'm going to cut you off. Like, there is going to be a time where. You can't say this anymore because you'll have to have taken a step in a direction. (laughs) So I thought I was getting better. You know what I realized I was doing? What? I was just relying on other people asking for their free time. And so I was like, sweet, I have time for myself. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's by default, and it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. So here's where we're at. Um, so this is a recent example because I, on Sunday, took the day. Yep. And it was mostly, I had a really intense two weeks where I was traveling for work, and then after that I was, like, had a lot happening on each day after like after work hours Mm -hmm. so i had like other things so i didn't really have time to like do laundry or like catch up on stuff and so i needed a day literally just to do chores yeah and i ended up finishing them mid-afternoon and then at from like 3 to 6 p.m i was kind of like sitting around Mm -hmm. which is exactly what doing nothing is yeah and like enjoying that and savoring that and being like this is nice downtime before the start of the work week right no, I was literally ripping my hair out, freaking out that I was wasting my time, that I should have been doing something better, mm-hmm. that I should have been outside because it was 98 degrees. Which is a safe safe time to be outside. <laughs> and I felt like I was definitely wasting the summer because I was inside in the AC, but every time I walked outside, I was like, it's gross out. I can't even fathom walking out the door. And that's a complex that we have where we live, though. I think, like, we need to acknowledge that as, like, proud Rochesterians that we have so much winter that, like, even when it's 100 degrees outside, we're like, we gotta be outside! (laughs) Taking advantage of this beautiful... It's not beautiful weather. It's hot as hell, and it sucks. And, like... And I don't feel bad about saying that. Yeah, and, like, it hurts my being. And that's okay. So we can... We can acknowledge that we have a lot of winter, but we don't have to, like hurt ourselves outside when it's 100 degrees outside. Yeah. So the, the lesson that I learned is that I still feel the need to ask people for permission mm-hmm. to take a day. And I don't know that that's necessary. Yeah. I You know, I, I'm thinking about this a lot as you're talking. And I'm reminded of the quote that a child said to me. Oh, my, my niece. She's four. <laughs> it's an adult awesome. quote. But <laughs> my niece said it to me. And I think we were talking about something being boring. And she's like, only boring people are boring. Oh, no. Or only boring people are bored or something. Only boring people get bored. And I was like, well, that's well beyond your years. I don't know who told you that. But she was right. And the person who actually said that quote was right. So what I'm hearing is, like, downtime for you. Like, what I need to distinguish for your experience is, like, are you bored when you're having downtime? Or do do you need the actual, like, nothingness? Do you I need, need the nothingness? I need the nothingness. Okay. So that's what I need to, like, decipher, is that, like, you're not bored and just sitting around being bored. You actually need yeah. the downtime that you are having a hard time accepting. Yes. Okay. That's a good distinction to make. I don't know how to help you. I just wanted to <laughs> make like, a distinction. Well, there we are. There is a distinction. <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing, though, is that I need to be okay with, like, not having plans or mm-hmm. feeling like... Because it's a lot... A little bit of it is rooted... And, like, FOMO mm-hmm. of, like, I don't want to go do a thing, but I also want to go do a thing. Right. I feel that. And that's hard for me. It's, like, the asking for help idea mm-hmm. of, like, this is also me asking for, like, time for me. So one of the things that I, I think is helpful for me is, like, me creating a summer bucket list of things that I know I want to do so I don't feel like when I am wasting or when I am (laughs) 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 when I am 
like in that mode of wanting to do things, I can schedule those out and know that I have time to do those. Yeah. Those fun things <laughs> that are, you know, part of this lovely summer short time frame that we have. You take fun seriously. And yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm super awesome to hang out with. <laughs> You are. I hang out with you all the time. <laughs> by You're cho- the fun one. <laughs> by choice. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I think I just need to be okay with the fact that free time and downtime and no people time is okay and also necessary for me. Yeah. Maybe let's start, like, I'm, I'm not going to say let's start a book club because I, I never want to do that again. I'm not good at it. I never stay up with the book. But maybe a personal book club, like a, a singular, you're the oh, only yeah. member book club, where you have a stack of books or articles or reads that you want in those moments where you're like, I don't know what, like, I need to do something. I don't like this downtime. You're like, okay, let me pick up this book because I'm in my book club and I'm going to have to report back to me. <laughs> And talk about what happened in the book. But maybe that's like training yourself to at least have something that's not nothing. Yeah. But it is it is much more downtime than I think you would usually default to. And I think like, it's better than TV. Because like, yeah. I like to binge watch a TV show from time to time. Same. But sometimes I feel like that's not... That's also... It's like too far mm-hmm. downtime. Okay. So I need something that's a happy medium where I'm like physically resting, and I think reading is a good. I think so too. Version of that. And you have a glass of wine. Like, I'll try it. Okay, let's try it. That's what I want your next update to be. Oh. Okay. (laughs) We'll work on that. Got a week. So, um, what is uh, getting you through the week this week? What is your inspiration? I feel like all of mine are like intense and (laughs) depressing. Well, that's why we'll follow up with mine, which is not yeah. either of those things. <laughs> so um, I, like you, am a newsletter junkie, and I uh, sign up to every everything. Every single one. <laughs> I literally, I just signed up for another one today, and I was like, you got to chill. But I feel like there, it's a snapshot. It's what I need. Yeah. It keeps me informed. I fully read my political one now because I feel like I, I just really need to be on top of everything. But... It's a good it's a good way to stay in four. It's great. In every level. <laughs> so I usually find out about them either by ones that you've told me about. Um, yeah. but this one in particular I signed up to after listening to a really great podcast. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, with Tanya Geisler about imposter syndrome on being boss. That's a real thing. First and foremost, I think that we should cover this as like a topic of discussion for a future episode. For sure. Um, but usually I will ignore or archive emails that like don't pertain to me. I'm mm-hmm. really good about just like clearing the inbox, but um, you gotta have good subject lines because that's what gets me. I agree with you. And, and not so, stupid, cheesy ones. Yeah, no. Don't put an emoji in no. my oh, subject line. Because half the time it shows up as a, a square, and then I'm just <laughs> upset because everybody else can see it and I can't. <laughs> that's a shame. That's a personal problem. <laughs> so the one that grabbed my attention <laughs> was it included a quiz. And so I was like, got to take this. It was called What Behavior is Standing in the Way of Your Unshakable Confidence? And then she spelled behavior the British way. Is she British? I don't know. I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> Maybe she's Canadian. Ooh, okay. So I liked this because if you guys listened to our feedback episode recently, um, one of the things that I took away in my... Uh, the lessons that I learned from people is that I need to lean into like the fact that I know what I'm doing Mm -hmm. and to have confidence in that. So I was like, let's see where I land here. (laughs) 
Um, but it na- narrows down what imposter type you are, which basically is like Ooh. the imposter syndrome is like you thinking that you don't deserve to be like where you are in your career or like successful or among your friends or like at the status that you have in life. Yeah. Whereas, like the achievements that you've made aren't yours. Yeah. They're someone else's. Exactly. And that's not true. Right. It's all you. So it narrows down. You There's a bunch of questions that you ask and you basically pick um, the scenario that you fall under. So it's like, you know, if you're at a party and someone tells you to, like, come over to them and have a conversation, what, what? would you, like, how would you feel? How would you respond? I already want to take this quiz. <laughs> so excited. And so um, it was really interesting because I live in this, like, self-doubt zone really often but to actually specifically identify like why that is Mm -hmm. or where it's coming from or what I'm doing to like bring myself down I guess Um, but my category which I wish I could have the whole list I guess you all have to take this quiz which will be linked in the show notes just so you guys know (laughs) Um, because I only know the one that existed and it was mine and it's diminishment hmm Okay. And so um, I thought that that was really interesting because it's basically me being like, you don't deserve to like, I basically talk myself down. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can see that. <laughs> and like when I, do, when I've done something good, I'm like, well, I could have done all of these other great things too. Right. So you're literally just taking your power away yeah. over and over and over again. It's the counteract of the maximizer strength that I have. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Did it tell you that or did you just that, know that? No, that's just what I know of myself because uh. when you always want to do something better uh, and improve the and opposite grow. would be that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. So um, what I loved about this in particular, it wasn't just like, hey, fun fact, you're di- this is your imposter syndrome type. Um, it actually Bye. had, it, it, they, it was like, if you want more information about this, input your email, which is like super great marketing tactic. I know. <laughs> I fall for it literally every time. Um, so I put my email in and I got this follow-up email that was basically like, here are the ways that you can actually counteract these things and specific tips and specific articles that tie to shifting your mindset to having that unshakable confidence that she talked about. Yes. And so I just thought if anybody's dealing with this, this might be something that's helpful because I think as women, it's very common for people to at least have some sort of element of imposter syndrome at some point in their life or always. Right. If you're me. (laughs) Um, But it's really nice because the way that she approaches it is like from a real cheerleader mentality. And sometimes that's nice to have when you're feeling a little shake less than. Yeah, I get that. I think that's really great. And in the fact that we've been talking about, or at least I've been reading about imposter syndrome for some time now, I've read books about it, I've read articles about it. Um, But I think narrowing it down helps it apply to you so like you're like i feel this but there's no solution there's no guidance there's no like explanation of it but to then have a type and then an explanation of that type really helps you take actionable steps on how to work on it Mm -hmm. and i think that is always what we should be striving for is like okay there's this this umbrella statement or phrase or something like that but how does it apply to me and and having that Typeness of it helps you apply it back to yourself, and then figure out, okay, now where do I go from here? So yeah. I, I, and you know, I also love a quiz. I think you should take it. I'm very curious what you'll. 
land on. I would also like to take it. So I will I will take it and I'll do a, a little updating on it um, when we come back together. Excellent. I think that's great. Um, I also want to say just as a quick aside, I've heard this more than once from a couple or a few-ish different people, but when we say the show notes, what we're talking about is that they live on our website. If you go to the episodes tab of our website, queenspeaking.com. Queenspeaking.com. Thank you, Brian. And go to the episodes tab and then scroll down and pick the episode that you just listened to or are looking for the show notes on. They all live there. So that's where all of those links are for those of you who have asked or are still wondering. There you go. Fun fact. Yes. So what's uh, under inspo? Oh, I forgot we didn't do my agenda. <laughs> Um, so going back to Bon Appetit, because I'm now obsessed with them. And if you know me at all, or getting to this know me shocking. through this, I, well, this specifically, but I, when I like get a hold of something that I really like, I can't not, you know, stop reading about it, talking about it. I like, I think for three episodes that I've been talking about the bold type, <laughs> Like, just because I'm really excited about it. So with Bon Appetit, you'll probably be hearing about it for the next, like, three episodes. Just She's because. going in fast and hard, guys. <laughs> well, it's just, it's such a great website, too. And the personalities on their YouTube. Uh, Carla is just, like, my girl now. Like, I have just consumed so much Bon Appetit, like, media in the last, like, week that I just can't get enough. So... Obviously, I signed up. Oh, no, this actually came from Girls Night In's newsletter. Mm -hmm. So this article from Bon Appetit is a guide to travel. um, And it's a fun list that covers more than just food. And obviously, again, we'll share this. But some of my favorites were, and it it really spanned in a lot of different topics within travel that like reached food and drink and tourism in general. Um, But what I really enjoyed is that they had their people give these tips. So it was like their managing editor and their like social media person, but it came from like the inside. So it wasn't just like stuff they found. It was actual things that their people have experienced and said like, this is, this is the best way to travel. So I appreciate that for the authenticity authenticness I don't think that translates to a word but the authenticity of (laughs) there you go (laughs) I got there eventually Um, of the website itself and like the information that they share and it just builds it continues to build that trust as me the consumer to them the person providing me the information So some of the things that I really liked, um, I have four that like really stood out to me and one was make yourself a regular and what they were talking about was like going out and going and trying a bunch of new restaurants is great and all. But like, if you can become a regular at a place, then maybe you can like form a connection with, cause usually if you're traveling to different restaurants, you might be able to actually see the owner or see the head chef back there and be able to form some kind of like a relationship with them and, and take it to the next level of like, show me what you're working on. Or like, if you're really interested in food to be able to really ask them questions about their background and all of those fun things. Um, And actually when I I was in Scotland I really felt this so that resonated with me because we went to the same bakery every morning and we got to know their manager and we talked to them and it just made you feel like like another piece of home in a way because um, we do this at home so why don't we do it when we kind of go out and, and get our travel on we did it in Seattle too yeah it right was super fun isn't it it's because you like and then even though it's short term usually maybe sometimes it's not but it like 
it deepens your relationship with not just that place specifically, but to the city or wherever you're traveling itself, like that country yeah. or wherever you are. Um, so that's really, really rad. And get other sweet travel tips. Always ask the locals. Yeah, so true. Like, they're going to give you the stuff that, like, you can't find anywhere else. Um, skip what you know and drink local. So this is just saying, yeah. like, even if you think you know exactly what wine you like or what kind of booze you like or tea or coffee or whatever it is, um, see what they have and what they recommend and what comes from their region, like, comes from where they are. Because even if it's not your favorite, at least you've gotten to try something different and new to you and all that good stuff. I love that. I do yes. that often. That one, That's, I like, was a like, new Ooh. thing that I was like, this is fun. I've never had this region I'm in a Portuguese restaurant. <laughs> what should I drink? Let me try all of that. <laughs> and it's it's just fun, and it, like, helps you expand, and then you get to say, like, when you come home or have that great memory of that really yummy beverage that you might not ever get anywhere near you again, but you got to try it because you were in that specific place. Um, this one is my fave, and I'll tell you why. Not all group tours are lame, and I'm looking at Brianna because she does not like a group tour. <laughs> Nope. And I can appreciate that, but, and they dive into this a little bit more from the perspective of the person who said this tip, but I can totally vouch for this. There are definitely times where I have been really apprehensive to do a group tour because I'm like, ugh, that's stupid. Everybody who, like, is a tourist is dumb. But you're not because, like, you want to do a deeper dive into the stuff that you're on. When I was in the Grand Canyon and was able to go to Antelope Canyon, I would have never been able to do that if I didn't sign up for a lame tour because they literally don't let you tour it unless you're on a lame tour. (laughs) So, like, aside from the fact that some of it was really lame, the experience of physically being there was amazing. And I did a Segway tour (laughs) in Minneapolis, which I also thought was super cool. And that was seeing parts of Minneapolis that even my aunt who lives there didn't know were there. So, yeah. So, not all group tours are lame. I stand by that, and I always will. The last one that I really liked was Instagram is the ultimate vacation planner. And so their point was like looking at like TripAdvisor and all these different places is really helpful. But like if you search a tag or search an area or search um, like something like best food in something like that, you'll can scroll through like the photos and see like, oh, I really like that photo. Do a little deep dive and like really dig into someone's personal stuff or maybe it is like an influencer in that area and then you can like form a connection with them or just see where they go and what they really like and it's like a different way to find different stuff to travel to or eat or drink or anything like that that's actually how we found our um our when we went on a helicopter ride in the Grand Canyon that's how we found the place that we used and then we did obviously some searching in the background (laughs) to make sure everything was legit follow up for something like that that requires follow up research but we found it by searching Instagram first for all these amazing photos that people were taking using this specific company and so we searched that company and that's the one we used to go on our little uh, helicopter tour so sweet super awesome so I like that because it didn't just include food and I think I'm trying to travel more I know you're trying to travel more and having those tips was like a really nice way to say step outside your comfort zone but also like step into their comfort zone like things that they find good and solid and like reputable do that trust the uh recommendation absolutely 
trusted source that's for show for sure what are we getting at today sid give it to me straight well i'm gonna give this to you straight what something that we totally bypassed that we should not have is that this is our 25th episode what and that's a really big deal (laughs) and we need to take a second to acknowledge that this is our 25th episode we are doing it and i'm excited and i think that we have grown a lot and i'm just excited to have have gotten to this milestone this is a beautiful moment for us i think the fact that we have consistently put out an episode every week since we launched huge props to us totally and i think like taking we this is the first time i have had to and been able to take something one step at a time because we don't have another option we couldn't like jet to episode 100 you have to go episode by episode (laughs) obviously so but this is like a good practice for me and and as we've talked about like i am at a sprint most of the time when it comes to a lot of different things that we talk about so for our podcast having to by nature of what it is take it one thing at a time i think has made me appreciate the journey that we're on that much more so i'm really excited to be here 25 i'm just like beside myself (laughs) ready for that 50 episode mark totes on our way exactly but then it's like okay and now we move on to 26 so it's like acknowledging the milestone and then we're back to work doing what we got to do to keep it moving so i have a glass of wine for us tonight a a few probably (laughs) as as a do okay so back to our regularly scheduled program (laughs) what we're talking about today is something that both of us i think talk about a lot between the two of us and want to learn more about and have a little bit why we started this podcast yes oh my god you're right a thousand percent so we're talking about mentorship today so there's a lot that goes into this that i think even we didn't really recognize again i feel like i say that every episode but it's usually true um Because more and more people we're finding, specifically in our age group, are looking for guidance of some kind. And Mm -hmm. either they don't know where to find it or they don't know if they're the one in the mentoring position, then they don't know how to be an effective mentor. Um, And there's some information out there, but I think, like, you have to go digging for it. And so it's sometimes just kind of a fleeting thought, like, I should probably find a mentor. I've really been interested in learning how to find a mentor. But to be able to nail down, like, what steps you take to do that or if you're in that position where you want to start helping someone with their own career or you see someone in need of help with their own career. But how do you navigate that line and how do you become a person that can be reliable and trusted to someone else and and be an effective mentor? Like, we're going to get into that today. Yeah, I think it's really easy to just lean on Google as your all-trusted resource for information. Yep. (laughs) I know I do. What? (laughs) But... The reality is real life experience is so valuable and to be able to ask that of someone or give that to another individual is super valuable. And I think in terms of just knowing where to start or if you're an entrepreneur or in this mode of like trying to navigate uncharted waters as a human. Yeah. I think it's really (laughs) challenging to just expect that you can figure it out yourself. But sometimes that's like the assumption Mm -hmm. is that it's like, I'm all on my own. I've got to do this myself. But the reality is there are people out there that are willing to help. And I think 
what we want to dive into is specifically how to actually find those right people. Or if you are that person, what is it that you can do as a mentor to provide legitimate, helpful support in a way that's actually going to be effective for this relationship that you're forming? Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's a lot of groups that act as like a source of mentorship for women. And but there's a lot of people that still want that one on one and really to be able to form a relationship with one person, even if it's multiple people, but that one on one situation where you're meeting with just them and learning from just them. And I agree. I think there's just, you know, there's there are people that are like, you've, you've got to have grit and you've got to figure it out yourself mm-hmm. and you've got to get in there and like make it happen. And I'm like, okay, but like, what's wrong with asking for help and what's wrong with asking for guidance? And why are we so pushy about like, you got to do it on your own because that's not always going to produce the best, the best outcomes. And we should be supporting, especially for us as women, like we should be supporting other women and finding out ways that we can be helpful, at least from our perspective with this specific topic on our podcast. But then also like when we go out and are meeting other women who we are looking for guidance from, or are looking for our guidance, like we should be more than happy to provide that and share that. And there's no reason where you should be like on an island by yourself with this. Yeah, It's just... That doesn't work. Doesn't New. work. Um, I think there is like that element of being a good mentor is an undertaking. Totally. And it also can be daunting to ask someone to take that on or for you to take that on on behalf of another individual. And if there like there are ways to kind of create a structure around it so it's actually doable. And like how in this world can we accommodate this idea of mentorship when we are like quote unquote super busy and finding mini mentor situations or people that you can lean on for certain types of situations that's really helpful down the road. And I think there's sometimes this mentality that it has to be you know, either super formal or someone you know really well, like one or the other. It has to be like a very like strategic and mm-hmm. formal and like buttoned up conversation, or they have to be someone who's known you forever and you're like crazy comfortable with. Both of which are fine, but I agree. There's now like a gray area. There is. <laughs> and and if you're feeling like you don't have either of those things, like there still is a place for you in this mentorship world. And even that word just feels like heavy sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and it is the best way to describe what we're talking about today, which is why we use it. But there's always a way you can sub in a different a different language for this type of relationship. Um, I'll talk about this more later in the episode, but someone mentioned that they think of these people as like their personal board of directors Mm -hmm. (laughs) instead of like their separate mentors. And I loved that phrasing because I was like, oh, that's so true. Like, how would you operate with your board of directors? And like, there is a comfort level there, but there also is a professionalism there as well. So like finding that line takes work and effort. But I think like if we take the stigma away from what we feel mentorship is or a mentor is, then maybe we'll be a little bit more comfortable figuring out how to ask for it and and get there. Yes. Awesome. Let's get ready to speak it, Queens. Uh, How do you mentor and why does this even matter? Right. I don't know. Big question. Let me get into it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Whether you're going to serve as a mentor or seek one, It's really someone who's a trusted advisor that is an individual who is providing you support, 
guidance. Um, I think that what's another thing that's super important is that there's someone who can be brutally honest with you and kind of serve you the truth platter. Feedback app. <laughs> Feedback. <laughs> um, but the, what's important is that they're going to be the one that helps you grow through your faults or point out areas for you to work on that may not necessarily be obvious to you mm-hmm. at, like, the get-go. And mm-hmm. especially if you're, like, super new out of the gate and, like, starting your career day one. Mm-hmm. You definitely need people in that space. <laughs> Not too sugarcoated at all, but you need them. So, <laughs> so we're going to help you find them. <laughs> who, who is this type of person? I think, um, as we mentioned before, there's like so many different levels of people that you can seek out that fit into this category. Um, but it could be anyone from a colleague, a parent, friend, a coach. Perhaps your college professor. Mm-hmm. That one that one that you had like a crazy good relationship yeah. with that you're like, I didn't know this could happen. And then they check in on you a year after you graduate and you're like, you really care. You're like, Thanks that so person much. counts. I didn't have one of those, but. I did, but I kind of lost touch with them. Aww. But they were great. <laughs> well, that's the other thing is that they're going to ebb and flow with time. <laughs> Bringing me to my next point. <laughs> um, but really what's important is that it can be anyone that you trust or will offer advice that's valuable to you. So this could be like a one-off conversation mm-hmm. or it could be something that is a long-term developed relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think um, what I mentioned just a few seconds ago is that this is going to be something that like changes over time you may have one at the start of your career but you're like your point about board of directors you're going to have a few people that you go to for different types of you know mentorship advice yes especially if you start to get to a certain point where you're like really advancing your career or you're in the boat of like starting a business yeah um but you're going to have several and I liked that HubSpot broke it down into a few categories, um, which were peer mentor, career mentor, and life mentor. Mm -hmm. And so a peer mentor is actually someone who's early in your career kind of like onboarding you. We actually have this incorporated into like our team, which is really nice. That's nice. And to like narrow specific skills. So it's like after training and then like keeping you on track to make sure that you don't lose your mind about like the things that you're doing in your job and like keeping you adjusted to your goals and giving you like tips and advice Mm -hmm. i try to do this with all my interns too for sure um definitely helpful i've heard about that at another place that i had a class with a guy and he said that his company is really good about providing mentors and i think like that's where that that um that word gets a little dicey, right? Because people are like, well, they have to know me really well. And it's like, well, that's why you have multiple or that's why you have different ones Mm -hmm. or that's why they adjust and grow. Because in this instance, they don't know you very well, but they are there to provide a lot of guidance for you. And that's still very, very valuable, even if they're still getting to know you in the process of that. But they know the game. Like they've been there. They are, they've been chosen for that role because they are really going to help you navigate that space. And that person should still be valued the same way that a different type of mentor should. Exactly. And that's what will get you climbing that ladder, baby. For sure. Um, The other one that's pretty common is what I mentioned, the career mentor. Mm -hmm. And they're really the ones that you like kind of seek out helping you navigate how, what your skill set fits into, like how your skill set's fitting into your life and career goals. 
And so these are people who are going to, like, hit at those, like, I want to be a CEO one day. Or, like, like, well, this is how you're going to get there. (laughs) Navigating that whole process of, like, I am here. You are there. How do I do exactly what we're doing with this podcast what's yes. the in between what's the in between <laughs> and actually in an article that i'll reference a lot because i thought it was just really it was really um thorough as far as mentorship goes but one of the things that was said there is that that person you know if you're from the perspective of the mentor or the mentee that person should be five to ten years out from mm-hmm. where you are because then they have advanced to a certain point that the mentee can see themselves being at like there's still that gap that like is attainable um and then the person mentoring can can understand where that person is and they can fully like remember being there and understanding what they're going through and all those things so i thought that was a good rule of thumb to follow Mm -hmm. and it's not age it is like position i think if it's a career thing it's a lot having to do with like the amount of time you've been in the field specifically, not the age that you are. Because I think the people that I've leaned on as mentors have definitely been more than five to 10 years older than me, but have been like within that five to 10 year period of work and and accomplishment that they can see away from me. (laughs) Yeah. And I think also on the flip side of just someone outside the scope of what you do can provide a lot of perspective. And Mm -hmm. so maybe it is, Here's where the other one comes into is the life mentor, someone that's living in the space of a different position who may be a little bit closer in age. Maybe it's, you know, a friend or another individual, but they have an unbiased, objective advice opportunity to give you. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's about something super targeted and specific where you're like, hey, you are someone I know as an acquaintance who started a business, and I'm really curious about the accounting piece of it. How did you navigate that? Right. And so to narrow in on some of those things, that's actually really important from a mentorship perspective as well. Absolutely. So yeah, so there's um, a lot to kind of break down with all three of those. And I think what's important to recognize is that it can all be at the same time. Yeah. I think when we talk about it, and, and when I was first reading this, I was like, oh, that feels like stages of life. But they really can. I mean, you think about it, you're starting a new job, you really want that person who gets the company and who understands like how to navigate it. But you're also thinking about, okay, how do I advance in this company? And that's not necessarily the conversation with the person who's helping you onboard. That's for your career mentor. Yeah. And the life person I mean like a thousand things fit into that category that can go I got a handful distance. of those. yeah seriously so so thinking about again like that personal board of directors like what role does each person in your lineup have and we'll get into this more about like timing and outreach and all that kind of stuff later in the episode but um yeah all of those all those things can happen at the same time yeah and so why is any of this relevant or important because Obviously, when you're seeking advice and information from other people, you also want to do it in a strategic way. You're not just like, hey, what's up? Uh, Let's meet for coffee. No one's going to respond to that. So that's not nice. (laughs) Coming at it with a very specific ask, whether it's, you know, you can lean on these people for business advice. Um, It's someone who can also help you climb the ladder and provide those resources and support from their past experience. I think that's you know, really helpful and something that's kind of come into play for me most recently. Um, And I think it's also someone that you can just lean on for introductions. If you know someone who's in a specific industry that you're trying to break into, Mm -hmm. 
why not rely on your connections and find great ways to enhance that and build your business or, you know, find someone that you could potentially grab coffee and uh, get a job interview with. Absolutely. And I think one of the things we talked about in our Making Friends as an Adult episode is a lot about, like, how you operate as a person and what kind of, like, outreach is comfortable for you. Apply that here as well. 100%. If you are not, like, the networker, do not try to be, unless you're trying to challenge yourself intentionally, there are going to be ways to reach out to people that you see could be, like, mentor material that don't have to be, like, oh, oh my gosh, I didn't didn't know you were going to be here at this random event with all of these people like hi nice to meet you like there's another way to do that that is in your wheelhouse of comfortable and that is totally okay I think everybody has a different way of learning how to navigate that space but going back to that episode and really figuring out what's going to work for you works in this space absolutely a thousand percent so true um I think it's also important to think about who is in your life that you can bounce ideas off of. Mm -hmm. Um, I think especially I go back to like when I listen to a lot of the How I Built This podcast that I love so much Mm -hmm. of like the crazy, amazing, successful people who started businesses. They all say that they kept their network super tight in terms of people that they asked advice for. A lot of those people were not family or friends because they were like, that idea is stupid. (laughs) And you're like, well, now I'm broken. (laughs) So don't let those people get you down. You need to find someone who's actually a good fit to like be that unbiased person who can take that advice and input that you're like, hey, what's up? I'm seeking some input on this really awesome idea that I have. You want that person to be objective enough to say, this is a great idea. Here are seven things that you didn't think of. Or like, here are seven cool ways to do something different that you didn't necessarily think about. And like, expand your opportunity versus shut her down. Diminish, if you will. Hmm. (laughs) Um, One of the things that I've experienced personally, and this was back in high school, so like not recently, (laughs) but stick to sitting with one person at a time. So there's a very good chance if you're the mentee, your mentor has other mentees. And there, I think, is sometimes this moment where you're like, well, let me just group everybody together because you're in the same field and you might be able to learn Mm. from each other. And that's great. Like, and that's wonderful. But I think that like edges into that group mentality. And that isn't bad. But I think if you're really looking to make that connection with someone, one-on-one is the only way to do this. And I think being clear about that is okay. And I'm thinking about something that happened, like, again, in high school. (laughs) So, Well, if you're doing it in a group situation that's, like, a team or, like, the classroom, and it's like, no, the reason why a mentorship scenario is valuable is because it's one-on-one. Right, and you want to be able to, like, get your questions in, and there's always that, like, chatty Kathy that's Mm -hmm. taking up all your airtime, and you just cannot have that. (laughs) You're like, I need to have a follow-up coffee (laughs) to the coffee. They're like, well, I don't have time for you anymore. (laughs) So, So, yeah, so really stick, and I don't see this happen often, like, it's not like this is an an example that comes up all the time but I do think sometimes there's this moment where it's like oh what could we all learn from each other together like if you guys have questions like let's just do this at like a a lunch or something like that and that is always well-meaning I imagine but to have an opportunity to really like have the ear of that person and and have their undivided attention will help you like kind of take a step in the like future direction versus staying exactly where you are Mm -hmm. um 
One of the other things that I saw is a study that they did, they, the, obviously, <laughs> the elusive they, um, this was from Forbes magazine, but um, they said that the most effective form of learning happened intermittently when it came to mentorship. So mm. I thought that was interesting because I'm like, I like a schedule. Like, I like to set a meeting, but they were, but what they were saying was like the students that they were talking to were tasked with doing a fair amount of work, like in the interim. And then once that work was done, was when they were allowed to reach out for another meeting. Uh-huh. So I thought that was interesting because I think it it's that accountability factor of like, oh, it's a standing meeting. I've got to scramble to get it done by that standing meeting instead of like, let me not do, the, do it at your own pace necessarily, but have the factor of like, I can't get in touch with this person again until I get this work done. And I think there is something to that to keep in mind because essentially for this kind of relationship to work, there has to be a give and take. And you have to be showing that you're taking the person's advice and coming back to them and saying like, look what I did. Like now what's my next step? Because I've made it this far. Um, And they're volunteering. Your mentor will be volunteering their time. This is not something that you're paying them for. That's a life coach's job. (laughs) We're a career coach's job. But not what we're talking about. (laughs) But there's a time and a place for everything. But in terms of mentorship, when you're setting kind of some boundaries, I think that that's important to consider and something that needs to to be included in in the structure of this relationship because it's a strategic relationship. Totally. And I can attest to that. I mean, I've had, there's moments where a standing meeting means like I'm doing it the day before and I'm like getting it done and scrambling and throwing something together. And that doesn't work for either of us because even if you do complete the work like that, you're not prepared to have a conversation about it all the time. And again, like not, not fair to either of you. So I I did like that. I was surprised by that. I thought that that was an interesting find, Um, but we'll share that article too. So so what about finding a mentor, Brian? Where do we start? Well, uh, usually right out of college or the start of your career journey, mm-hmm. your manager will tend to be that person. <laughs> right. But. Uh, <laughs> Big but. <laughs> be careful about that because you are young and you are a sponge for any and all knowledge. But you need that tough love. And I think you need to be careful to draw the line with a manager because yes they're great at giving you feedback and guidance in this type of scenario but mentorship often comes with like a greater sense of comfort and friendship that can really lead to a tricky territory with a manager I think and that's where it's important to set boundaries in that type of a situation again this really only comes into play when you're super fresh in like entry level or like right out of the gate um, or, new industry. or new industry that kind of thing um i think setting some boundaries around what topics are off limits or being able to communicate communicate clearly because this person is not someone that you want to be venting to right and especially Absolutely. if you're like seeking advice within the scope of your career. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this and I was, my brain is in HR land because of my program that I'm in. And I was thinking like for the people that are in the HR world or have any knowledge of people who are in the HR world for something specifically like this, there might be a place where the HR folks set the boundaries for the managers and directors say like this person's probably going to want to come to you with some things like, and making some kind of training available for 
are managers and directors who will be serving in a mentorship role just by nature of the role that they're in. They're, they're, are ways to set up something that those people can ask questions like what's off limits because they're kind of controlling the room at that point. So like you're fresh, you do, you're like very new. It can be really um, overwhelming to say like, these are the topics I don't want to talk about. Even though you always want to be able to say something like that, I can see how it might be feeling a little uneasy when you're first getting going. So if someone in the HR world can say, this is like kind of what position you're serving in as this person's mentor. Like these are the lines you don't want to cross. This is where you don't want to go. But really providing that like onboarding policy around something like this, I think can be really helpful for the guidance factor for the managers and directors, because then they've they've got something to like kind of fall back on and they're not kind of just making it up as they go. Yeah. Even if they're mentors to other people, but not in this kind of relationship. And I think in a lot of ways, this person might end up indirectly being a mentor. Like, you don't specifically sit them down and say, like, hey, what's up? Right. Will you be my mentor? Which always just sounds like the playground, will you be my friend (laughs) (laughs) when you're five years old? Yeah. Um, I think because you're so fresh and new out of the gate, you're also in this mode of just capturing everything. And Mm -hmm. so everything that they teach you helps whether it's positive or negative, lead you down your future path. And Mm -hmm. so the guidance that they've provided you will eventually help you get a promotion, find a new career, start your own business, whatever it is. But you'll kind of go, you may go back to them and say like, hey, it may not necessarily have been obvious in the moment, but you were a true mentor to me. And I think it's important to go back and acknowledge that and tell that person, write them a nice handwritten thank you letter yeah because i think that that's something that like gets missed a little bit is like how impactful those people in the early days because i definitely had had those relationships in the early days of my career and so to go back and say like i learned x y and z from you thank you for that um i think is really awesome absolutely um as you continue on (laughs) you are going to actually like seek out more of those intentional mentor opportunities. So, like, mm-hmm. how does that even <laughs> how does that even happen? What do you do with that? <laughs> <laughs> that's so hard. I mean, like, that's just that's hard. <laughs> um, but thankfully, we have the answer, <laughs> <laughs> guys. We did the research, or we've done it already. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that this is really nice because after you get to a certain point, like you know, maybe three years down the road, you have experience and you've made connections, and you know more people in the industry. You have the ability to ask more like specific targeted questions um and so i think being as specific as you can is the most important thing about this is like if it is someone you know that's awesome because that kind of like makes the ask a little bit easier for sure but never go in it with like let's meet for coffee yeah I'd thanks love to pick see your brain. you bye <laughs> Ugh. i've read so many articles that say like from people who receive those emails mm-hmm. they're like if you don't Tell me if you don't give me a deadline, you don't ask something specific. I'm literally throwing your email in the garbage. It's off my plate. Um, and so, asking questions like that out of the blue, don't give them context for your scenario. So I think defining what you need and why um, is actually going to help you get what you want out of someone. And I think the more specific questions that you can ask, they're going to be willing to help you in that right. in that end. And I think it all goes back to relationship development because when you're 
like focusing on something small, you go and you're building up and you're creating new things and, you know, giving them a schedule. I think that that's something that needs to be more strategic, like we said. It needs to be something where you're like setting an outline. Yeah. Here's the agenda. Here are the questions that I have. I want to come and meet with you once a month, once a quarter. How is it that you're preparing in advance? Exactly like what you said. Like, you can't reach out to me until you've completed these, you know, five goals that your individual has set for you. Because even like you said, like, this isn't a therapist. This isn't somebody to dump on. This isn't somebody to just, like, throw all your problems at. This is somebody who is specifically there to help you advance in your career or your life goals or whatever it is. And for that to work... You need to do the work. And I think there is a line sometimes that gets blurred depending on who this mentor is that you do kind of jump into the territory of like vent person. And that's not bad. But I mean, if we're really calling it what it is, especially like you said, if it's a new person, especially if it's a new person, like someone that you've like had your eye on that has accomplished a lot in your field or you really are interested in getting to know them. I was listening to an episode of Skimmed from the Couch and they were talking to Joanna Coles. I think I talked about this last last episode as well Mm -hmm. but like there was a moment where they were like we can either like just chat with her or we can be strategic about our conversation and with someone like that you want to be strategic about your conversation because as soon as you walk away and it was a solid meeting everybody was heard questions were asked and answered and they were thoughtful questions because they know the mentor's history, like they've done their research on who that person is, then that person's got a really good taste in their mouth about who you are as a person. Oh, yeah. And if, like, someone comes up to them like, hey, have you heard of so-and-so? They're going to be like, I had a great conversation with that person. They seem really knowledgeable and blah, blah, blah. So it's, like, not just thinking about what you're going to say when you sit down in front of them, but, like, what are they going to say after you walk away from them? Because that that might follow you. And if you're not prepared and if you don't know like who you're talking to then it's not just you read like one profile of them and you're like wow that person looks awesome let me just like pick their brain or just sit with them for a little bit but like know that it is the person that you really want to learn from too because then you'll both get something out of the conversation totally I think one of the things I didn't really realize, especially because if you're in a field that you can't find a mentor, I think this is something that we've been hearing a lot too, is that some people are just at a loss for like where to go because of the field that they're in. Those people might just not exist. You kind of have to get a little bit creative about who you might be reaching out to. So it might not be a linear person like up the ladder in the same industry, in the same like company, anything like that. It might have to be like a weird zigzag to get to the person who might be able to help you answer those questions. And it might be someone you know really, really well that you didn't really consider a mentor before that, but can serve in that line if you need them to it's like switching gears right so it's like Mm -hmm. when and I would consider like my mom one of my mentors because like I can switch gears with her from being mom to being mentor and you're prepared and it's the same thing even though it's my mom but I think sometimes if you don't see that direct line it becomes very hard to be like well I'm just mentorless forever (laughs) it's like that doesn't have to be your life and Um, honestly someone outside the the scope of what you do is so much more helpful Because they'll ask you questions that, like, the person who's in your field wouldn't think to ask because they they already know everything. So if someone outside that field is, like, asking thoughtful questions because they're genuinely curious and interested and it provokes you to think harder about where you're stuck or where you're looking to grow or anything like that, like, that does really 
help you advance. And sometimes it's someone like I think about my high school guidance counselor who like served a very strong purpose in my life for a very long time. But when I went back, it was that moment where I'm like, he knows me really well. Like he and we've kept in touch and the whole thing. But it's someone I wouldn't really consider until I was like, oh, wait, like he's someone that I trust. He's someone that has been valuable to me as a person. And all of those things kind of make up what that person can really be for you. Yeah. And I've had that happen. I think sometimes they come about randomly, too, Mm -hmm. um, with, like, former work colleagues from past industry. And it's now, at this point, been, like, six years since we've worked together. And so to have those people that you can go back to and be like, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? And so that's kind of a fun new thing that's coming about for Mm -hmm. me and something to consider as well as an individual like you know this is why you keep all your linkedin connections up to date oh for sure and keep that page up to date like just keep keep it high and tight man (laughs) (laughs) because it will help (laughs) so i think taking it down to like a mini scale is important too and like what does this context provide for maybe small mentorship opportunities yes or like the one-offs or the start of a relationship that that building those building blocks Mm -hmm. um obviously thinking about someone that you admire but you may not necessarily know them in person i think that's always really challenging because sending a cold email is really terrifying Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) but i think also thinking about is there a way for you to introduce yourself at an event and even if it's just an introduction right i think being able to fo- follow that up with context of like when you do send the email of like I've admired you for X, Y, and Z. Um, I met you at this specific event. We talked about this. Like having context to provide around that introduction is something that will get you in the door faster, or at yeah. least get them to respond to your email. And don't be creepy. <laughs> don't be creepy. Just I as a rule of thumb. <laughs> I watch you in the night. I came to that event just to meet you. Which might be true, but just don't say it in that deep, weird voice. Yeah. <laughs> um, it could also be someone, like, not even thinking, because there are a lot of people that hate a networking event, but it may be someone that you also attend a yoga class with. Like, mm-hmm. you see, you're like, I know that we're... We run into each other. Like one time I flew on a plane with someone that I hadn't met yet and I was really excited. I wanted to like run into her at the airport and be like, I'm so impressed by the things that you do. It didn't work out. But then when I saw her in person at an event later, I mentioned that. And uh, it was probably like a fun anecdote. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a fun, fun little story. It, and again... Don't be creepy about yeah, it. Yeah, like just genuine. <laughs> it was like, like genuine, but don't like funny scenario. Breathe heavily in their face. Really. <laughs> <laughs> just give them some freaking space. <laughs> but there will be a situation where you want to ask for advice from someone who doesn't actually live in your territory. Yeah, or you have. Like you're not like, going to run into them. <laughs> we're not going to see each other. Um, so I think the biggest thing is being specific with your request. Um, I always say that providing. A compliment to someone or giving them like a little like high fives for your latest feature like if they're super famous and they were like recently featured on Huffington Post or like a sweet podcast acknowledge that you saw that and like but in again authentic genuine way like don't just say that because you google searched their name right actually listen to the the podcast yeah (laughs) (laughs) true um that's like tips from life is uh public relations representative in my early days. (laughs) Yes. Okay. But then on a serious note, 
how many requests for mentorship do you think like Oprah gets? Oh like, my do God. you think she gets requests for mentorship? I bet. Okay, so you're saying that I should reach out. <laughs> I'm saying good luck. <laughs> it does cover in this great Vogue piece, and she looks awesome. But that's the thing is like you're not. You need to come into it with like, what is your agenda? Why right. are you even emailing this person? Right, and what I really, I have no idea. What I do just, you need from Oprah? I I need to know. Actually, because you need to know personal information. So I think what she did really well is she made her whole life an open book Mm. from like her struggles and her everything and her starts and her setbacks. Like she made all that available. So it's not like I could be like, I really want to know how you got to where you are. (laughs) Because like I know how to get to where she I more want to know, like, how do you take care of your garden at like paradise, what she calls her home? Mm. And so, like, yeah, I guess it's kind of a long shot. <laughs> That's a long shot. Also, exactly to your point, your first question, super vague. Be more specific. Oh, how did you get to where you are? <laughs> yeah, like, don't ask that question. How like, did you get in vogue? Who talked to you? <laughs> also a bad question. <laughs> Here, guys, a great lesson in what not to do. <laughs> this is going to be my update that I give, like, a really, like, it'll be like a resume put together in a cover letter of a really specific outreach for Oprah yeah. as an example of what to do. <laughs> I think um, Tim Ferriss has some really great examples of like the perfect pitch of asking people for their time and, and support and input. All so right. I'll start with that. <laughs> we'll reference that for you guys. Um, but I think again, being as specific as you can, no one's going to respond to an email that says like, hey, can we meet for coffee so I can pick your brain? That's so, and it's gross. Like, that sounds gross. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it sounds inappropriate. They're immediately going to delete that. So if you're giving them the context, like in the ask, say, hey, I'm at this specific point in my career. I need this specific question answered. Help me. <laughs> How to become Oprah. <laughs> Not specific. Oh my gosh, I'm so bad at this. <laughs> Smart questions. Smart and thoughtful <laughs> and direct. Yeah. Um, the other thing is like seeing who, and I think we talked about this a little bit, but like who knows that person that you already know and mm-hmm. how do you, and I think that goes back to like how do you operate as a person and who feels like they would be comfortable referencing you. If you're like, hey, you know this person, I, I really admire their work. I'd really like to ask them like how they got their book deal or what how they navigated like the finances of their first business. Mm -hmm. Would you mind connecting us? And that person's got a really big job at that point, because then they will be the access point to that person that they know. And that could either be a really good idea or a really bad idea. So like who you are and the people that you're meeting, like always keep in mind and like not don't be fake, but Mm -hmm. just be just be genuine and be authentic and be a kind person. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully that person that you know will be able to say like, yes, I'm happy to connect you via email just so you know they're really busy. So if they don't get back to you, that's probably why. The other thing is that person can also be probably pretty honest with you, hopefully, and say like, they've got a lot on their plate right now. And I just don't think, I think that you'll get lost in the shuffle if you do it now. I just know that they started a big project or Mm -hmm. they just did this. So why don't we try again in like six months when I know that they, their time is a little bit, um, like less taken up. Like, so re- reaching out to your network who's to see who might know that person gives a lot of background on like their availability, who they are as people. Like maybe you have one version of them in your head and that person's like, Ooh, no, they're not like that at all. They will not help you. <laughs> so walk away. Yeah. So using, that's also a good point. Yeah. Like using those connections in a thoughtful way, I think mm-hmm. is really helpful too. 
Love it. So uh, this article that I had referenced a couple times and will continue to reference um, is asking, like, in figuring out if they're, if the person that you're trying to connect with is the right fit, there's a couple questions that you can ask yourself. I think in some of these apply to, like, after the first meeting, but, like, does this potential mentor remember key details about me? So, like, you want to know that you're not just sitting in front of a superstar who's, like, blind to anything that you're actually looking for. Like... Like we talked about, it needs to be a mutual conversation and they need to be just as interested in you as you are in them. And um, if they're not remembering like your name, for instance, or where you work or what position you're in or what your history is, and it doesn't need to be super specific detailed stuff, but like, it's like anything with relationship building. Like if they're not referencing back to something that you may have said about your experience in your field, then maybe maybe they don't have time like they thought they did. And, you know, figuring out if it's something you want to continue with is really your call because you called the meeting. Um, can that person give you actionable advice? Not just like back in my day, like this is how it was. It's like, okay, but like, what do I do in my day? <laughs> like, how do I move forward now? <laughs> but like, what are they giving you that's, and I think that's where that five to 10 year gap really comes into play for people that are within your industry, because they'll know actionable things that you can do to move forward. Or if they're an entrepreneur, they can give you things that are like, have you checked this website to get your account set up? Or have you talked to this person about real estate? And that, those are things that you can move on. And I think that's an important line to draw. Because if they're mm-hmm. just kind of talking your ear off about their experience, that's great. But that's not a mentor. Yeah. That's a person who's like just chatting with you. Yeah, you're just having a conversation. Right. And that's <laughs> cool. <laughs> but not how you've established that you want to spend your time. Yeah. Um, and again, like, does this person seem present and focused? Like, are they there with you? Or are they kind of like looking at their phone? My biggest, and we talked about this, my biggest pet peeve is when people are checking their phone. I don't care how important you are, unless you've said to me like, hey, I've got a big call coming through, I might need to take it. Or like, it, it shouldn't just be, I'm a very important person. That's why I'm going to just kind of disrespect uh, your time here. <laughs> it, there, I, if they've taken the time to meet with you, they should also actually take the time to meet with you. Yeah. And again, just like a lot of these conversations, that can be a hard thing to say like, hey, can you maybe get off your phone? Or like, hey, I just wanted to know, like, what did you think about that thing I just said? Just to make sure they're with you in some way and not condescending or gross, but just in a way that like makes them know like you're here for a reason and you're not messing around. Yeah. So I think those are like some really good points to keep track of. And the other thing is ask your mentor about their goals. Like, figure out what their their next steps are and what they want from their life and what they want from their career. Because that, again, like, molds in that dual purpose conversation. Mm-hmm. That means you're both working for each other. And I, and I thought that was a really good piece of advice because that's something I think some of us don't think about. It's like, you're nice and you're like, how are you? How's your family? How are your... Th-? But, like, you're there to talk about career for the most part, usually. Um, if you're not, then that's one thing. But I think that the interest in their life will help them understand that you are not there in the same way, but like you're present, like you're there, you want to know what their next steps are, because maybe it's going to help you figure out what your next steps will be when you get to their level. Um, and so I thought that was a really good 
good piece of advice. And it keeps the relationship two-sided instead of one-sided. I love that. That was a good one. I think that's uh, the most important thing is a mentee Mm -hmm. to take away. Yeah. Because I think that it should be a two-way street. Yeah. They're not just showing up. Like, they are showing up for you, but, like, show up for them. Yeah. Because everybody loves a little, like... Hey, how are you? Yeah. And like care. Exactly. And it's not just like, I really admire what you've done to get to this point. It's then like, what are you doing next? Because I'm really interested to know like Like, where you go from here. What's retirement like? Right. Like Oprah, what are you doing now that you're in vogue? What does your garden look like at paradise? (laughs) Can we have lemonade out there? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what does it take to actually be a mentor? Yes. This, This is like me and Sid being like, Let's take it on. Who wants to be our mentee? See, I'm like, I'm fully into what we just talked about. I'm like, ooh, these are great pieces of advice as a mentee. All right, then Sid and I will work on our mentor-mentee dynamic together. Brianna, so I think this is an important distinction to make for a lot of reasons. So Brianna, I think, has served as a mentor to a lot of people, but she's not taking credit for it. And I'm looking at her as I say this, even though I'm pretending that, like, this is not her listening. But there have been so many opportunities for her because she has been a manager for a while now. Mm -hmm. And I think it's this moment, like we talked about with your imposter syndrome quiz, the diminishing. You've been a mentor a lot of different ways. So I really want you to take this time to also talk about like how, like that lovely card that made you cry from one of your previous, you know, like that was so All the lessons that special. Yes, it was beautiful. And like... On Brianna's birthday, one of her um, previous uh, interns, interns, yes, was like, let's go around the table and talk about what we love about Brianna, which was very unexpected for all of us. But she was super prepared. And she, like, gave you high praise, not just for the person that you are, but what you were providing her from a career standpoint. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really... And you don't have to be a manager to be a mentor, but you're not giving yourself enough credit. And I'm just going to go ahead and say that right now. Uh, actively seeking mentees. <laughs> I and I I think I have been mentored by you in a lot of ways as well. So like I think that this there there is like I very much feel like a mentee a lot of my life because of just who I am as a person and I I think that's very true and fair. But you have done a lot to employ a lot of what we talk about, I think without even realizing it yeah. to become a mentor to the people that you've mentored and to be a mentor to your friends and your family members. So like let's like give the high praise earning it accepting it. Here we go. Oh, good. I think uh <laughs> The biggest thing, though, like, as you're saying that, the reason why I think I have the tendency to do that is, like, as a mentor, you have to be willing to, like, put time and energy into someone and their development. Yeah. And that, like, gets me real excited. Yeah. I love to see people grow and learn. And so, especially, like, when you have interns, they're usually right out of college. So, like... (laughs) So, they really need help. They need some some help. So, um, I think it's exciting to be able to, like provide context for someone when they're fresh out of the gate and so that's just something like if you had the tendency to want to provide goals and give people advice and give when someone asks you a question actually follow you follow up on it yep that's really valuable to that individual that's asking that question of you so i think one of the biggest things for me is follow through Mm -hmm. like if, if someone's asking something of you, you either say no or you follow through. Yeah. Remember last episode? It's either hell yes or no. That's right. <laughs> um, so it, this gets into what kind of time commitment 
can you take on? Is this something that you are willing to do? Because it does take time and energy. And I think it's something that's really important. If someone's asking you those questions, if you get that email in, that's like, hey, what's up? Would love to pick your brain. And you're like, ew, delete. (laughs) Delete. (laughs) But But then someone specifically says to you like, hey, I need help with this specific problem that I'm dealing with in my work environment. And you're like, hey, I have experience in that. I'd love to, you know, help you out. Right. So I think that that's something that's important to consider of, like, can you do this? And if you're like, hell yes, <laughs> say yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I think, you know, there there's a moment where you say hell yes and then you're like, oh, no. Like, I, I thought I did and I didn't. Mm-hmm. But I do think, like, if you're saying hell yes, it's because that's a want you have in your life. Yeah. So I think acknowledging that and saying, okay, what am I doing that's making me not have time for something that I really want to be doing to help people that are just coming out of college or just coming up in their career? And think about what your plate looks like. And if you can scooch some things off your plate to make room for this mentorship opportunity, then really consider that. Mm-hmm. Because I think we t- we we feel obligated to do a lot of things. But that thing that like just set your soul on fire at the the opportunity to help someone else, like listen to that yeah. and figure out what's what's stopping that from happening and how do you readjust and figure out how to make room for that if you if you are able. Mm-hmm. If you're not, then obviously don't do it. But um, I think so- listening to that is important too. Agreed. Um, I think setting expectations and asking f- follow-up questions to get a clear understanding of what they're actually looking for is super important. Mm-hmm. You can't walk into a scenario like this without knowing exactly. Like, they've asked you the question, you've set up a coffee, you have the chat. What is, okay, what are our next steps? Right. How are we going to continue this conversation? So kind of following on that earlier conversation of, like, that meant the mentee has asked you a specific question you're coming back with it as the mentor now and you're saying okay let's set some goals right what are we working on when's the next time that we're going to meet and just like what you said hey uh i'm not gonna reach back out to you until you get me x y and z things right i think the other thing that's important is that um if you are working with them on from a goal setting standpoint which i think is really important in this type of scenario is that you also write those down mm-hmm. so that oh, yeah. it's whether it's a shared doc that you both have or you know you just making note of like hey susie asked me about you know letting them know about any job opportunities that come up in the, this specific field right making sure that you know if you see anything like that's a reminder to you like once a week to check in on that send it off yeah um i think also it's really important to care and to oh, care deeply like a curber um not a lot of people consider this and i think this is also maybe a little bit of my personality because <laughs> this in, this initial one was like me being like you gotta care you need to, you need to love this person <laughs> That might be a yeah. little too far, but it is. But you have to care about their success, mm-hmm. and you have to care about like. I guess it's also like that moment where you're being introspective too. It's like well, you want this person to walk away without having to say like, "Wow, they were no help at all." Like, mm-hmm. so by caring, you have the expertise, but you also have like a, a connection to that person that makes them feel heard and makes them feel like they can accomplish something and take their next step. And that doesn't happen unless you have some skin in the game. Yeah, and I think the way that you get to that is by actively listening to them. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you know, you're having a conversation and just talking about all the experiences you've had in your life. You're 
asking them questions, getting into the concerns or the questions that they might have of you and repeating back to them what you're hearing from Mm -hmm. them so that you can understand the context in which they're having this conversation with you and also that you're absorbing and understanding what it is that they're dealing with so that you can provide them with the best advice. Yes. And so if you're curious about how to be a better active listener, uh, episode 13. We have an app for that. (laughs) We did it. (laughs) Um, I think this also comes into play a lot is just like, don't immediately give them advice if it's not something that you have experience in. Yeah. Don't just be like, here's some me spouting off something that I don't really have an example of. You threw out some hard finger guns. I did. On that finger one. guns. <laughs> that was me being a cheese ball. <laughs> um, I think if there is something that you don't have a response to, say, hey, I know someone in the industry that might be, like, that's where yes, you make that connection. That's where you make another introduction for another mentor opportunity. Or if it's something that's easily Googleable, yep, you can go search that and give them, you know, some more information or at least just say, like, hey, I don't have time to respond to that right now, but I'll write it down as something that I can follow up with you on by next week. So I think making sure that you're giving that context to them of, like, you're also not the end-all, be-all. Mm-hmm. There are things that you don't know either. Yes. Yeah. So, um, or at least just saying, like, hey, if you do find out the answer to that, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Send it my way. <laughs> um, and also celebrate those achievements. A thousand percent. Just like we talk about um, with like a manager relationship, I think from a mentorship perspective, you have more freedom to celebrate it a little more like wildly and fun. I feel like there's always time for champagne. I was going to say like, what's your version of wild? Because <laughs> I got to know. <laughs> like let's pop a bottle. But no, acknowledging when they've done something well and to say like, hey, these are great achievements. Let's you know, acknowledge this and move forward and have a great time and know that we're doing the work and putting the work in. Yeah, matters that, a lot. Because those accomplishments are your accomplishments as a mentor. Absolutely. Um, I think another thing is to give them homework. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a nice tip from Inc. Magazine. They said to pose questions for your mentee to think about and ask them to come back with answers later. Hmm. And so I think that this is something like, give them freedom to roam yes we tend to learn in a scenario where it's like hands-on you're like let me get into it right let me figure it out but provide them with like the umbrella context of what they're getting into and then what is it that they can come back to you with like what are the first and you as a mentee actually doing the work uh, yeah and saying, hey, I've delivered on, you know, these goals or these things that we've set. Um, I think in a lot of ways, this kind of mirrors a little bit of the manager perspective, giving it some structure Mm -hmm. will help you, you know, make moves in a lot of different ways. Um, And I think also making sure that you assess that progress is important. That's something that I don't think is done enough of like the follow through and the follow up. Yes, absolutely. So uh, one of the things that I found, again, because this article just was chock full of stuff. (laughs) If there's just one, that's all you need. (laughs) And it's really, it's such a good read. I honestly, I've been, I've been referencing back to it a lot over the last, like, um, what, couple months I've had it. But um, one of the things that they say in this, uh, that, that um, first round 
article is ask yourself if the mentee gives you energy. And I was like, wow, like I never, again, it's, it's because it's a mutual relationship because you should both be gaining something from it. It shouldn't be a time suck. It shouldn't feel like something you're dragging yourself to. It is something that you should be excited to go into. And I think for, for you in a lot of ways, it was part of the role that you mm-hmm. were in or yeah, like the part of the job that you have. But I think at the same time, it was fulfilling to you in a way that like you would do outside of that as I well. I kind of went above and beyond in some ways for certain scenarios. Okay, so like, there you go. I yeah. did extra. You did extra. So it is like it did give you energy because it was part of that thing that you were like, I really want to give more than 100% to this. So if you're not feeling that way about this role, then like you're not doing that person any favors. Um, I, I think that the mentee can pick up on that. I think that they are very, you know, you're perceptive to the fact that like, oh, this person doesn't really feel like they want to be here. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to that, like, if you're going to do this, like be present and be there and, and fully commit. Um, so that was one that I thought was really good. Um, and did you learn something from the person that you're mentoring? I know for a fact that you have like mm-hmm. not just the the lingo of the kids these days that you learned but also like valuable lessons that you can then take away because it provides a different perspective because if you're sitting here spending your time with that person like what are you learning from them that maybe you can't apply all the time but you can shift your thinking a little bit and get some advice and and get um and get a different way of thinking on things that you thought you had totally covered um And does talking to them allow you to reflect on your own path? Like, are you going back and being like, wow, that was something that kind of fell off my radar that I really enjoyed. Like, how do I get back to that moment? How do I go back to um, doing that thing that I I really loved at one point and, and I just don't do anymore? Um, and have they inspired you to think more deeply, even though they have less experience? Like, that's a big one. Because I think sometimes, again, when you're outside of that five to 10 year gap, sometimes you're just like you don't know what I know. So like, I'm good here. <laughs> and I think sometimes that can happen either intentionally or unintentionally, where you're just like, I don't have anything to learn from you. I'm just going to impart wisdom on you all day. You're going to love this. Like, this is going to be great for, for me to feel good about what I've done. But that's not how it works. <laughs> right. But if like, even if they have less experience, like, are they asking questions that help you dive deeper into the work that you're doing, into the work that you're not doing, but should be doing? Like, it really... I think for the mentor, it becomes this inter. And I don't know, like I'm asking if you've ever had this moment where you're like, wow, that made me really think differently about like the work that I'm doing or how I'm accomplishing my goals or anything like that. A hundred percent. I think that's actually the, the most important thing that comes with the territory of this is like it allows you to like push yourself outside your own boundaries. Yeah. And that changes the whole perspective of what you're doing. And I think that's why it goes beyond like just a, (coughs) excuse me. (laughs) I think that's why it goes beyond just like a, I I want, I'm going to say person to person, but it is person to person, but it goes beyond just a like check in. It, it, It really has to be more than that. If either of you, and, and obviously like that has exceptions, right? Like there are always going to be situations where you do gain either as the mentor, or as the mentee, you're going to gain a lot from this person no matter what. But I think to deepen the relationship and have, and what was great about this article specifically was that they really wanted to see like, what was the most fulfilling part of mentoring? Not just, did you do it, but how did it mm-hmm. deepen your love of the process or something like that? And so they weren't just asking you to like 
figure out how to mentor. They were asking people, once you've done this, like what made you feel connected to that person? What made you feel like you wanted to do this again with someone else? And I think that's an important distinction to make because you're going to get people of all types doing this type of work and that's okay. Um, But I think if you're being honest with yourself, if you don't like doing something like this or you don't feel like you have the capacity to do a deep dive into it, then maybe you're not the right person to be doing it. Maybe that's when you're doing group stuff or like like group um, workshops or something or you're the teacher or something like that. Like maybe you shift your perspective from being a mentor to being like a teacher in a small group setting about how to do whatever it is that you do. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But I think like figuring out what your strength is is really going to help not just the person sitting in front of you, but thoroughly help you and figure out what's going to be the most fulfilling um, piece of this. I totally agree. And I think if you're going into it, like you're looking at life from someone else's eyes. Yeah. And if you're not taking something away from that, then like you're doing yourself as a mentor a a disservice. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's an important takeaway for sure. You need to be able to like grasp onto how they see life and you just... And if you have, if you're the type of person that, you know, has the opportunity to mentor many people over your lifetime, what are all the things that you learn from those people? Right. And what path can it lead you down? I think that's really exciting. And I think you got to embrace anyone that's like, whether they're six months, two months, four years, 10 years, 20 years younger than you. Yeah. I think everyone has so much knowledge to share. And so we should all look at that with some fresh eyes. Absolutely. This is a fun topic because there's so much to it. And one of the things that this article said specifically that when they pulled the data back from the people that served as mentors, they were like, I don't like it being called a mentorship. And I was like, and that's fair. Like, I get that. But I think for these purposes, like we said in the beginning, it is it is that. But like, come up with a different way to see it because maybe that'll take some of the like heaviness away from it. Again, like we talked about in the beginning. But like, how, how are you thinking about this? Does it change when you change the wording? Does it change when you change the expectation? And and play with it. Like, figure out, this isn't a one-size-fits-all. Yeah. So figure out what's going to work for you, what's going to work for the person that you're working with, and it will be fulfilling for both people a thousand percent. Yeah, and you don't have to define that person as your mentor in the ask either. Like oh, gosh, In no. the email, you're not like, hey, I'd love for you to be my mentor. You're like, I, I think a lot of you, though. I think a lot of times it does come up in a very relaxed context and then you're like oh that person served as a mentor in this context of my life yes i think i think about that all the time now like all the people that i would put in the mentor category i would have never used that word with them when we were in that process yes. because like you're you're never approaching it with like i'm on the hunt for a mentor <laughs> right and i think people put so much pressure on themselves to find like Honestly, more and more now, I I hear people like, I just really need a mentor. I just really need help. I'm like, I get it. But I think people are putting pressure on themselves to find this like mystical person that's going to help them solve all their problems, which like I get, I want to, but but that pressure is making it really hard to see past that concrete Mm -hmm. wall of mentorship. Like it just feels like such a big thing. Yeah. And if you break it down, then maybe it doesn't feel so far away. And maybe if you take some pressure off, it doesn't feel so unattainable. Yeah, write down the questions that you have 
and figure out the people that have answers to them. Yeah, and that person can be your age. Like, again, like, this is this is a no rules, like, wild, wild west situation. I do believe in the Tons five to ten year people. gap <laughs> in, like, as far as career experience goes, but that doesn't mean that that person isn't at least within the five years of your life mm-hmm. or within a couple of years of, like, age-wise. So don't put any rules around it as far as, like, who that person is but figure out how they will how you both will benefit each other so I love it yeah so that's a wrap on 25 whoop, whoop. we're done did it 25 feeling good uh shall we break let's break feeling like a queen yet find us on instagram and twitter at queen underscore speaking and tell us all about it find episode links and show notes at queenspeaking.com see you next week 